Carla, thank you for having me in your beautiful home, you wonderful soul. You. <laughs> thank you for being here. <laughs> um, we caught up in the park the other day. We've, we've done a few things together. You taught me some Ayurvedic cooking once upon a time. Yes. And we're in the same meditation, learn to meditate group. <laughs> yes. Way, way back. I mean, you weren't in it actually. You were just feeding us when <laughs> I was learning to meditate. That's right. With your Ayurvedic glorious foods. I feel so calm with the foods that you give me and the drinks that you give me. It feels all very nourishing. My work here is done. Yeah. I, can, I can die happy now. <laughs> There's more to do, I tell you. Yeah, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. Hence, I'm here. Yes. Still here. Yes. <laughs> um, before we jump into because we want to talk a bit about motherhood um community culture support that kind of thing Mm. but like a little bit of background on you um because we're looking at your beautiful yogi poster up there yeah and can you just tell us a bit of an overview of zero to now (laughs) oh recap (laughs) i suppose just like your work maybe just your work um because i'm very very fond of it thank you well i think um where to begin uh I'll begin there. So, (laughs) um, years ago, around the time of sort of 17, 18, actually even before that, um, kind of 14, 15, my mother introduced me to meditation. Mm. And I was fortunate that at that time at school, yoga was a sport choice or a choice that you could do for for afternoon sport. So, I was like, I'm doing that. (laughs) (laughs) So, in the library... Um, I started to learn about yoga and at that time it was just yoga asana. Yeah. Um, there wasn't any breathing or focus on breath or any of that kind of stuff. It was very stripped back basic. Um, eventually that led me to um, an interest in learning more about what yoga is and what meditation is because I kind of got a taste of the sense of peace that those things brought. Um Fast forward a few more years, I landed myself in a yoga ashram um, just outside of Melbourne and I was living there for a couple of months where I met um, a swami who was one of those people that everyone in the ashram kind of loved or hated. There was no in-between. There was no grey. She was a very particular personality um, and very passionate about Vedic culture, Vedic tradition and the teachings she had learned and was living so being in an ashram was just the most perfect opportunity to learn those things um, and learn from her. And um, I remember every time I ate a plate of her food, I was like, Bumi is in the kitchen. This is her food. What does she do differently to everybody else? So eventually I got in the kitchen and discovered she was practicing Ayurvedic principles of cooking. And I was like, what is this magic? Because it's some sort of magic. <laughs> The food tastes better. Yeah. It's got this air of like love about it and prana and like energy. You know, I was like, what's this energy? At the time, I wouldn't have known prana necessarily. I was just like, what's this energy? Um, so she was my first introduction to Ayurveda through food. Mm. And from then on, you know, I was like, this is a science and it's magic and it's about life and it's the stuff I wish I learned in school. Um, so then, then began my like journey of trying to learn about Ayurveda and transition from my work, my work at the time into practicing as a practitioner. Mm. So that's kind of a bit of a recap awesome. of how we got yeah, here. Yeah, amazing! <laughs> I love that story. It's so cool. Yeah. 
And then, and then, so now, w- w- when you practice and teach it, you like pass on that knowledge and you t- to teach people to cook that same way. It's with intention in the food. But it's like all balances with vata, kapha, and all. And whatnot. pitta, yeah. And pitta. So, so um, Ayurvedic cooking, it's um, it's based on the the five elements. So yeah. understanding the five elements exist within all of our environment, our bodies, and our foods. Yeah. Um, and through that, you can kind of start to develop this alchemy around how you put food together right right when you eat it what time of day you eat it what season you eat it in um how it's prepared and understanding how that can impact the quality of the food yeah so yeah intentional preparation and it's all in in cycle of nature as well like with nature cycles yes yeah yeah. and your body's cycles and yeah and it's also um very much there's a strong focus in traditional ayurveda of um, the food being what is grown in your environment. So none of this like oranges from the US kind of thing. It's, right. you know, <laughs> but I mean, we're very privileged in Australia. We have foods from everywhere mm. here. Um, and we have so many options when you go down the street to what we can eat. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of elements to Ayurvedic food and Ayurvedic cooking, and it can be applied in many different ways. Mm. Um, in today's world, living in Australia, when I first learned about all the principles of Ayurvedic cooking, I felt like someone had just tipped me upside down, like shaken me and put me back on my feet and gone, there you go, like work it out. Mm. Because every principle seemed kind of counterintuitive to how we currently live, mm-hmm. um, which was kind of a great thing because how we currently live, not, we're not really thriving mm. as a race, are we really? <laughs> you know, So, mm-hmm. so I think um, it was sort of like, okay, well, this is a, different way to look at how we do things because maybe what we're doing is not working mm. um well, that's how i saw it anyway that's great because it's ancient yeah. eastern all that in, in vedic indian mm-hmm. kind of lineage right yes the knowledge and wisdom yes yeah. yeah so ayurveda comes from the great teachings of the veda mm. so the veda being um i think it's 64 different sciences from india and ayurveda being one of them yoga being another um and um Ayurvedic architecture, Vastu Shastra is another, for example. Mm. Their astrology is another, Mm. um, which is Jyotish. Mm. So um, it's this vast body of knowledge that, yes, it's ancient, but it couldn't be more relevant Mm. than it is today uh, because it's based on these unchanging principles of the five elements and um, us as humanity and our relationship to our environment and our place in the universe, so to speak. So, Mm. um, yeah, it's, it's... full of uh, wisdom and one of the great things that I have found in exploring all of it is it just makes sense yeah there's so much logic Mm. there's a lot of science to it Mm. but there's just so much logic Mm. um, and it just makes sense so um yeah so I found uh Ayurveda to be one of those things that yeah I wish I learned it in school Mm. because it's the teachings about life and although it comes from India and it comes from the West, it is a knowledge that is universal. Mm. Again, because it's from those five element basic principles, just mm. like Chinese medicine. Mm. Uh, so it's relative to any person in any country on any continent. Um, it's not just Indian, for mm. example. Mm. I love it. Yeah. And so now take us on the journey of becoming a mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, I didn't know what I was in for. Um, <laughs> Um, I will, just before I go to that, though, yeah. I will say that when I started to formally study Ayurveda, 
the thing that stood out to me was the teachings around um, motherhood and birth. Right. And the the lens in which Ayurveda sees, or Charaka Samhita, um, the, the great, great teacher of Ayurveda, sees um, mothers in society and their relationship to their children and how that is like the ground root basis of a society. And um, without that acknowledgement and without that respect to a mother's role and how that grows our society, um, we have a very challenging situation on our hands for the the society we're developing, Mm. which is where we are right now. Mm. So when I first started studying and I came across those teachings of like the mother being the central part and uh, of the society and this whole teaching around preconception, pregnancy, birth, post-birth, there's all these things that are done. There's all these practices. There's all these understanding of how herbal medicine can support during that time. Certain massage can support during that time. The importance of rest. All these things that are just really not focused on and done in our mainstream culture in Australia mm. and in America and could also be said in some parts of Europe as well. Mm. Um, so I came into this process of pregnancy and birth and everything from this um, limited understanding really of what I had learned through Ayurveda. Mm. Um, I didn't have a lot of friends who had already had children. So I hadn't spent a lot of time around kids or around Mm. new mums. I was like, Oh, I've heard about this 40 day thing that um, Ayurveda teaches. That sounds incredible. I'm going to research it, learn about it and apply it to my own life. So um, postpartum, I did 40 days in solitude at home. I was so fortunate I had my mother and my stepmother, uh, my my mother-in-law, really support me through that time. Mm -hmm. Um, They were here making food for me, taking care of the house. I had that 40 days where I did not leave the house. I think I walked up the hallway twice. I pretty much didn't leave the bed. Um, And I just slept, fed my daughter, was fed, slept, fed Mm. my daughter, showered in there somewhere. (laughs) Mm. Um, And I remember thinking, how on earth does anyone else do this without resting? Like Mm. the demands of feeding a newborn are intense and Mm. it's nonstop. And, Mm. you know, they're like this beautiful little creature that really requires 100% attention from their mother. Mm. Um, So... Yeah. Anyway, during that time, my, my step, um, I keep going to call her my stepmother. <laughs> my mother-in-law yeah. says to me, I've never known a child to not cry. Like yours is not crying. What's going on? <laughs> so there was this period of time during that 40 days where I was genuinely able to keep up with her needs, her mm. basic needs of food, sleep, cuddles, everything. Yeah. During that period of time um, where she didn't need to cry. And that was, I was just simply connecting with her, listening to her and resting as I needed to. Mm. It was quite a magical time. I was in this bubble Mm. for that 40 days going, I love being a mum. I'm going to have 10, you know, like (laughs) it was just like, this is magic. And to give us a realistic idea, how much, how much, what are the specifics of the support from your, the two team mothers? Team team mothers, (laughs) team mum. So the running of the house completely. So um, my mother-in-law, she, she's a very wise woman. She's in her seventies and um, she just, you know, do you, what do you need? Do you need water? Do you need tea? I'm going to, I'm bringing you this. You need a snack. She made sure I had breakfast, snack, Mm. lunch, snack, dinner. Mm. Um, 
I also organized a meal service for myself. So I did have some meals being delivered and a meal train from friends and Mm. family. Mm. So there were meals that were being prepared by other people as well Mm. and being Mm. dropped off. But um, they were like washing sheets, hanging the washing out, cleaning the kitchen. Um, We did also have a cleaner as well during that time. So there was that support too Mm. once a week. Um, Basically just saying, you rest, we got it covered. Yeah. Um, So, and you know, my husband kept working full-time during that time so they they just were holding it down you know mm-hmm. like <laughs> he was up to support in other ways and mm-hmm. they were holding it down with the practicality mm-hmm. side of things mm-hmm. um so yeah preparing food i think that's one of the biggest ones mm-hmm. especially when you're breastfeeding you mm-hmm. need a lot of food and you're mm-hmm. constantly hungry appetite mm-hmm. is just off the charts yeah I bet. um <laughs> you know so and making sure i was hydrated and yeah um to be honest much of that time in the day-to-day happenings is a bit of a blur now. Um, a lot of people tend to say that too, that you can't always remember what really happened. Right. Um, I can remember key events, but like between the nappy changes, feeds and sleeping and stuff, I wouldn't be able to give you exacts of when I was feeding her or yeah. when she was sleeping. Yeah, like, right. you know, <laughs> I can't tell you that. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was sort of an around-the-clock thing or I think, and I, I do recall... You know, my mum would be here in the afternoons and um, and Simon's mum would be here in the mornings. Mm. And then there was a period of time when my mum came and actually stayed here mm. for th- uh, four or five weeks. Mm. So I had the 40-day window prepped, sorted, mm. you know, good to go. What I didn't anticipate was then what was going to happen after the 40 days because mm. I hadn't really – had the insight. I was pretty naive to like, oh, what's the rest of it going to be like? <laughs> what know? is it in Ayurvedic terms or in Vedic terms? Oh, what do you mean? The, the next period after the 40 days, what happens then in terms of support and such? Um, well, whether it's Ayurvedic or it's Indian, yeah. Um, I mean, the information that I've learned and come across is more from like an Indian cultural perspective. Gotcha. Um, whereas where at um, seven months pregnant, mum moves in, uh, the mum-to-be moves in with her mum and their family. And she's completely taken care of. Right. So she's massaged every day for 40 days. She's bathed for, um, during that time. She doesn't wash herself. She's completely bathed. She's fed. She's dressed. She's resting. She's recovering. Because this process of giving birth... It's kind of is, no surprise when you think of the immense, not only miracle, but like intensity of the situation of bringing life into being. Mm, like it's, it, it's almost insane that you wouldn't have absolute support around that human being that's bringing in a life to this world. Like, absolute support. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, absolutely. (laughs) Like, only through the experience myself have I gone, what's going on here? Mm. How did we get here? Humanity, how did we get here? (laughs) Like, this is some kind of madness. Like, this is some kind of bizarre alternate reality that we humans are experiencing right now where we sort of go, oh, you had a baby. Awesome. Are you going to be back at work in six weeks? Because that's quite a common thing. And it's also, it's a common thing out of necessity, but it's a common thing also out of expectation. Mm. Um, Also that, you know, oh, you've just had a baby next week. Oh, can you go and get the groceries? Like Mm. in the supermarket, newborn baby, getting groceries, you know, back to business kind of thing. And it's very much a cultural perspective. Mm. It's not, you know, and it's a lack of awareness and understanding of what's going on physiologically, what's going on emotionally, what's going on physically, and, and, and even on a spiritual level for mother and baby. Mm. And how, what are the implications of that 
in the future. Mm, like the stress that the mother unloads to the child and such, I mean. Yeah, so so the, yeah. the intention in the Indian culture that you, that you talk about is that it's like it's in order to, they realise that they must look after the mother immensely in order mm-hmm. to make the child come into this world with the best chance. Yes. Or be, what, 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 how do they describe that process or um, the intention of it? So my understanding is... Uh, some more tea, by the way. It's a lovely tea I that you've here. I would love some more tea. I put my cup <laughs> Just down, down here. Um, so my understanding is very much... I'm going to speak, speak more from a, a Western sort of science model because that's um, more of my understanding, but it very much relates to the Indian understanding as to why they would do this. Um, So for a very long time, we were taught that there's the autonomic nervous system and the autonomic nervous system has a parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. Thank you. In recent years, perhaps the last decade, so after I finished school, go for it. (laughs) Um, So after I finished school, uh, then there started being like uh, a lot of research done into this idea around there being um, another nervous system, a social nervous system. Um, it's it's a it's a, called the social engagement system, and it's this idea that things like um, eye contact, soft voices, friendly faces, gentle touch, hmm. or nurturing touch. These things have a certain impact on our nervous system, this, this social engagement nervous system mm. or system. Um, and our bodies and our minds are able to read those things within our social environment to tell us we're safe. We can be calm. We can be settled. Um, so... That's no surprise. Like, you, yeah. you think we're... we're I'm sensitive, more sensitive than most, I suppose, mm. but I'm very aware of like my environment, and particularly mm. energy of other people. Mm. And it's not just your social, it's probably environmental as well. Like, not just human to human. It would be like human to concrete and human to plant and that kind of... That's a, Is that under the same umbrella or is that a different nervous system probably? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. But it's a similar thing. It, it could be a similar thing. Point. It could be a similar thing. Um, but what I do understand is that this, uh, it's almost like through traditional Indian culture, there is an understanding of this aspect of our humanity. Yeah. And they function and operate from that place around a mother and the newborn. So from seven months, she's at home with, um, with her maternal mother and she's taken care of right up until babe is, you know, well with, you know, possibly even 12 months old. So well after the birth. So that 40 days is um, she's taken care of. There are a lot of herb, herbs involved in her baths, in her massage. Um, there are certain foods that are prepared, particularly in the first 10 days after. But in that for- first 40 days, it's very specific, the type of food that the mother is given to help her body repair post-birth. So in one sense, it, birth can be seen as a massive trauma, for a lot of mothers, it actually is very traumatic. Mm. For some mums, it's not traumatic, but it's considered a trauma because of the impact that it has on the body. Um, so rightly so, it's treated like that. And it's treated like, that, you know, all this energy, this heightened state of energy is needed for this child to be birthed. 
And so there's a recalibration that needs to happen in a mother's nervous system mm-hmm. and her being. Mm-hmm. So some of the other things that would be done is the head would be wrapped mm-hmm. post-birth um, to help settle the nervous system, settle the elements within the body that are associated with um, mm-hmm. with vata, as we were just talking about before. So like settling the air and the ether elements in the system. Right. With that social engagement system within our bodies, if we can register we're safe, because we have eye contact, we have friendly faces, we have gentle touch, we have um, gentle voices around us saying you're safe, Mm. then the body doesn't go into a state of any anxiety. It's calm. Mm. The nervous system's settled. Um, If those things aren't around, we're in a bit of an alert. We're in an alert state. Mm. Um, So it's like our first level of stress. Our second level of stress is fight or flight. So if something else happens within the environment, so we don't have that first level of support, something else happens in the environment, like baby screaming, mum's at home on her own, doesn't know quite what to do, fight or flight. So mum's in fight or flight. Um, then that's you know, external stresses are continuing to happen. Mum's still on her own several days, weeks, months in a row. Then what can happen is we go into withdrawal. So there's like a suppression. There's like a, the nervous system kind of freezes. Um, so what I can kind of see there or I'm explaining there is postnatal anxiety, postnatal depression. Mm, mm, mm. And these are labels that we give to mothers as an isolated um, issue, not seeing it from a societal perspective that it could potentially be a societal issue that mm. perhaps we don't have, you know, being in isolation or not having this, this comfort and support of community around day to day is causing our nervous systems to be on high alert. Mm. Now that's, that's, I mean, there are very, there are lots of different diagnoses when it diagnoses mm. when it comes to anxiety and depression, but I'm speaking very much from like a general perspective Yeah, because we have an epidemic of diagnosis that is happening postnatally for mothers all over the world. And when there's an epidemic, there's something we're doing wrong systemically as a society. It is not an individual issue. I feel like when we start to diagnose a mother and say, this is what's wrong with you, we're we're looking at symptoms. We're not looking at the cause. We're not looking at what's really going on here Mm. that so many of our mothers are suffering and what about what's happening to our children? What's happening to these babies and how they're developing? So coming back to mm. this Indian tradition um, around, you know, this focus on community being around, family being around, everybody being there going, we're here, team, a team's here. Mm. What do you need, mum? Mm, <laughs> you know? mm, mm. So her social engagement system is calm and settled. Mm. Bub is calm and settled. Mm. Bub's nervous system is learning and developing in a way that is, um, Calm this is normal. Yeah. Calm and settled is normal. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm safe. Mm. I'm looked after. I don't need to be frightened. I don't need to be scared. I don't need to be in high alert. So in those early years, particularly the first two years of development, where the nervous system is being programmed into its normal world, um, we in, in the West, most commonly, um, mums are in isolation in these nuclear family units and um, alone and on high alert. So these mm. babies' nervous systems are developing that way too. Mm. And so we have, I mean, there are many factors that contribute to this, but this is one. We have high, high um, numbers 
of anxiety and depression in our community. And I think we can't, we can't turn a blind eye to this simple fact as to there might be something to do with how we treat mothers and how mothers are in their first few years of life with their children. Mm. Not from the perspective of mother blaming, but again, looking at our society, mm. what's happening in our society and how are we seeing as a society the importance of the role of the mother? Where is it? I think I was saying to you the other day, we're like the bottom feeders, mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> mums are not seen as the most important part of the society. And I'm not just saying that I should be that because I'm now one. <laughs> it's more like I can see a physiological need for us as a human race to change our priorities to where they once were because we thrive when we do that. Mm. We struggle when we don't. It's, it's a known fact in many cultures all over the world, which is why postpartum care and preconception care and pregnancy care have been really strong elements of so many cultures all over the world for thousands of years. It's not a new concept. Mm. But for many, we feel like it is because we haven't grown up around it, we haven't known it. Yeah. And to be honest, it's only really in recent history, the last 200 years after globalization, industrialization, um, where we have started to become nuclear family units and no longer this large group of people bringing children up, this large village, you know, the whole saying of it takes a village. Mm. The village was there 200 years ago mm. and we've just forgotten. We've lost touch with it. We've lost touch with our grandmothers. We've lost, lost touch with our lineage, our lineages, many of us have. There are obviously pockets where this is still happening, mm. but... Mm. From the vast majority, it's not. So, yeah. Sorry, I went off track from your other no, question. No, wonderful. But you went on a, track. Yeah. Ooh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> that was a wonderful yeah. everything you said. Yeah. I feel like I want to put you on a stage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do feel very passionate about it, as you can see, because um, uh, nothing, for whatever reason, I'm wired in a way, and maybe this is part of me, being human, I'm wired in a way where I want to see other humans thrive and mm. flourish. Mm. And um, I see that from the very beginning of day one for so many babies, we're not giving them that opportunity from the beginning. And this is the future of our, our species, species yeah. and our planet. You know, um, when we're in a fight and flight mode, we don't think straight, <laughs> Um, which is why we need to meditate, which is why we need all these tools. Mm. Um, these tools are, you know, meditation and all these different tools through Ved the Vedic teachings are amazing tools. And once we're a part of a society day to day, it was just how they lived. Mm. Um, but if we don't have the basics covered, then we're already, we're already so far behind with trying to iron things out and not to sort of make it look all doom and gloom, but just to highlight the importance and the necessity, I think, of how we start to make some changes mm. around where we're at. Mm. And, it's, a yeah. it's a huge, if it's a systematic problem that's caused the epidemic, it's a, a huge thing to shift, isn't it? Because yeah. it's, um, yeah. I suppose that's the question of like how you shift, what area you want to shift. Mm. Um, do you do it just on a local community thing or do you like try to do it grassroots up? Like it's... There are found, someone's saying about what's interesting about China is that they've realized 
you know, it's somewhat of a like leadership down. And in America, it's like grassroots up for mm. to change. But mm. the benefit of that, of the Chinese way, is that they've realized that they need to make sustainable changes to their systems in terms of environmental impact. Mm. And they've That's just great they're implementing you. it. They're implementing it straight away. Amazing. Impacting everything. Like, but in, but in America, it's like this the, it's the organizations and the companies that are trying to slowly make the change from the bottom up, but the big yeah. ones aren't making the change. Like, I would even, argue even, the same thing in Australia in right Australia. now. Well, there's yeah. adverts on yeah. radio talking about, like, just use more gas in your house. Like, there's, it's like that we're all mm. bound together and just, like, backing gas, but it's, like, a terrible, terrible thing to support. We really need to flush out <laughs> our ridiculous. current political system because it's just, I don't know, I don't know, it's such an alternate reality uh, where our politicians seem to be sitting right now. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah, it's, it's a really strange. Mm. It's very strange. It's very strange. I don't know what else to say about it's it. It's very <laughs> strange. I mean, it's frustrating. It's, it's like, very frustrating. It's mental. They're idiots. Yeah, yeah. Absolute idiots. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not go into politics. Because it's like, I can't. I can't do anything about it. I just feel like so disempowered. I'm sure there's a thousand. System. There's a thousand reasons why they're not. The economy is very important. Oh, it's very important. Very important. As is coal. But yeah, no. Back yeah. on point. Yeah. So that, that's the. I suppose that's the. What you probably be feeling some sense of a call to next is like how how do can, we, how yeah. do we how do create we? sustainable implement a change sustainable because what would you attribute it to just from like is uh, it, how we got here yeah how how we got here but the state of like is it this individualistic self satisfying culture or is it like we've we've departed from this um, sense of belonging and union as a tribe as a people as mm, a family mm. what, what what is it do you think um, I think it's, like I was saying before, in the last 200 years, this is how we've sort of, this is a recent history thing. So in the last 200 years. And we know that when we look, th- we'll look back through history and we can see where we are and how we got here. So I think industrialization def- definitely has a part to play in it. Mm-hmm. I know that, um, you know, this idea around mothers getting back to work, um, mothers having having work you know or starting for example you talk about recent history um i know for myself i had my own business before i had my daughter um and it was so hard for me mentally to let go of my business and move into motherhood and and this shift of my identity um so this shift into oh i'm now a mum. i'm now not all those things i've been working on for so many years and all these things i'm passionate about to share with the world etc etc um so yeah, I really I was really challenged by having mm. to shift that identity. Mm. But what was more, what was stronger within me was my desire to be there for my daughter, and I'm fortunate that I could be. I didn't have to rush back to work. Mm. So, mm. you know, I thought I'll be back at work in six months, or maybe a year, or maybe two years. She's now just turned two, and I'm like, soon, soon I'll be back. Like, <laughs> but mm. there's something else inside me that's overpowering me going back to work again because mm. I have a bit I have a choice but also I just feel so important to be there with her I can see her need for me mm. um so I think yeah some mums are you know having kids later in life now they're at the top of their game in their work and they love their work not to say their love for their work is any more than their children but um I've watched lots of mums really struggle with that transition and some mums have let go of their work and still become full-time mums, for example. Um, but, yeah, really struggled. And mm. other mums have gone back to work. But 
that is a societal norm for us. It's not a societal norm for us to go, what do you mean you're going back to work? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's craziness. <laughs> like you're crazy. Um, so there wouldn't be an expectation of that at one point in history. Mm. There is now. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of sides to this uh, perspective or this, this situation, I guess, because there mm. would be mums out there going, I'm really happy I'm back at work. I want to be back at work. It's good for me, you know. Um, so I know that there would be a variety of perspectives on this. Mm. But I guess where I'm coming from is more from a, an Ayurvedic understanding of what's happening and a scientific understanding of what's happening for us physiologically, how that affects our nervous system, mm. how that affects a child's nervous system, mm. um, and the environment in which we truly thrive in, mm. not just survive in. Where do we really thrive so, um, so it starts with just the education, doesn't it? I think so. It starts with just that education so. and informing people of what's going on and yeah. like you're doing right now, I guess. Yeah. It makes so much sense, like in my brain, yeah. like that we, you, you would absolutely uplift and support. But I suppose it's just the ways in which like if you, if you've got a bit more money, you can afford to do that stuff. And if you've got a bit less money, you've got more stress. But then sometimes people with less money got... More community. Immense support and community. Like yes, yeah. the kids in India that I came across when I was there, it's just like they're all so joyous and springy and happy. And they've got no apparent material wealth that I could see. But, mm. but it's like that's it clearly doesn't, mm. isn't a contributing factor to the sense of joy or radiance. Mm. But it's like we're, we're in our Western world, we're deluded by the sense that, that we derive, we're deluded by the sense that we must derive our joy from all these materialistic things that's very much that's very much true and quite a part of it all i I imagine Mm. um yeah yeah i think the interesting thing too is that um we as a society don't always put emphasis on um natural biological processes that a mother and a child go through like breastfeeding like the immune system development, mm. like um, how do we thrive with our sleep? You mm. know, in our society, we have an epidemic of people trying to work out, why won't my baby sleep? Mm. I was one of them. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you t- that was really interesting that you said yeah. that, that. And then there's, yeah. a, there's a whole movement for a particular way to help them sleep. And then there's a whole movement for the beyond the beyond like, support the group yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah. Because it was terrible. (laughs) Exactly. Because we've lost this understanding that babies in their early months of life don't sleep through the night. Generally speaking, some babies would, but not all babies do. And it's very common that they don't. Mm -hmm. But we have this strange belief that our babies should be sleeping through the night by three months old. Some some mothers think that their baby should be sleeping by four weeks old. Mm. And it's just not biologically, physiologically the way we were designed. Mm. And when I learned that, I was like, oh my God, I'm not doing anything wrong. Everyone's telling me I'm doing things wrong. <laughs> and it's actually just normal. Um, That'd be so annoying. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, was, it was a very stressful time. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and, and also around breastfeeding as well, we have a lot of misunderstanding and misconception in our society around breastfeeding um, because, again, we've lost touch, generally speaking, from the wisdom around breastfeeding Mm. um there are a lot of schools of thought that say being a mother and breastfeeding are things that are learned through being with the tribe or being with the village we now are in isolation when we grow our children 
we don't see others breastfeeding unless we really have a large family and we make mm. a point and an effort to be like, I want to go and spend time with this person because they've just had a baby mm. and I want to check out how it all works, mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> go and have an internship. Um, <laughs> it's like yeah. because you were not exposed to it like yeah. we used to be. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and there's a lot of anxiety. Mothers have a lot of anxiety when it comes to breastfeeding. Am I going to be able to do it? Can I do it? Can't I do it? Mm. The one thing that is counterproductive to being able to breastfeed Stress hormones. If you're in, if again, we come back to this, um, the nervous system that I was talking about before. Mm. If we are in a state of stress, the milk production is not going to drop. They call it the letdown. Right. So, which is a great um, comedy film, by the way, if anybody's listening and they want to have a bit of a laugh. (laughs) It's about the current state of of affairs that we're in as mothers. It's a bit bit hilarious but it's also heartbreaking really it's called, it's called the, called the letdown let really? it's very funny I think, it's on, it? I think it's on netflix right. um i laughed a lot <laughs> watching that relatable <laughs> totally relatable but yeah so if we have um stress hormones in the system it's going to be very difficult to breastfeed it doesn't create like the hormones like stress hormones even if you did breastfeed with stress like the cortisol that you releases in your body will then go into the breast milk and then go into the child so yes Yes. But what we need in our system is oxytocin in order for the body to, one, produce milk, to allow the milk to be available to the baby. Okay. And things that produce oxytocin are the same things that set off the social um, nervous system that I was talking before. So things like massage, gentle touch, mm, um, mm. feeling safe, mm. um, eye contact. These mm. are all things that, that increase oxytocin in the body. Mm. Um, One of the things that we are told through sleep training, which is this awful thing that The organization or the concept is called sleep training. Sleep training. um, Is to not make eye contact with our babies when we're trying to get them to sleep. (laughs) I remember thinking that is just like a really strange thing. It seems cruel. It's like. Just look away. They'll try and look at you. They'll try and get attention. They'll want your attention. Just look away. <laughs> you know, stop, stop um, what's the word for it? Stop stimulating them through your eye contact. Right. But the thing is, eye contact increases oxytocin. So does warmth. Guess what helps us sleep? Oxytocin. Right. So we have a lot of misconceptions in our current society. Um, and... We have to just find our way through it, I guess. We have to, it's, it, it is through education, but there's also the question of where do we find the right education? Where do we find um, those who, I guess, are on the, the forefront of some of this information, mm. who are in some ways connected to our past, mm. um, but have the value set around whether it's gentle parenting or it's conscious parenting mm. or mm. it's whatever label we want to give it. It's thriving i'm not exactly sure what you want to call it Mm, mm. (laughs) um that's that's i guess where we need to look for for quality sources of information in those places where individuals have those intentions and yeah to to narrow it down to just your family or a family let's just say a family a generic family sure what would the support look like in your head like what what would be like a, a a structure plan like what's the loose plan (laughs) do you know what i feel like a few things going through my head as you say this one is i'm going to use the word patriarchal um because we do things in a very masculine way in our society Mm -hmm. 
And when I say masculine... Including thinking of the plan like I just did. Yeah, which is, which is beautiful and natural and expected because you're a man and it's great. Um, and I'm, and I, but I, I want to point it out because um, the masculine aspect I'm talking about is structure, mm. which has its function and it's a very important function. Mm. Um, I'm going to be fast and loose if you need <laughs> But what I think, what I what I feel, is it it's it's something that's organic. Yeah. It's something that has flow. It's natural. Um, I feel like I had a real sense of it on the weekend for the first time in a it's long so time. So funny though. My, I get it. I get that. <laughs> my brain's like, no, but we need a structure to implement. <laughs> how can we? How can we execute this if we haven't got a format? <laughs> But yes, go on. It's but, organic. But the thing is that the, that's the way we live, right? Yeah, yeah, so how am yeah. I going to get auntie whoever and uncle such and such and all these people involved mm. if we don't have a calendar and we don't have some structure in how we're going to get them here? Mm. So it's very relevant what you're okay. saying. Good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> as long as I have a purpose here. Yes. No, no. But um, like no, this, I, I, this I, I, sorry, just to interject. Like yeah. the, I, I'm very much one for like I feel like I, I'd trust the world systems if women run it. I'm just because they're so I, 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 I'm very supportive of like this. I'm just teasing. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not offended whatsoever. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this past weekend, I feel like I've got a great example to share with you where um, my sister in law called up and was like, Oh, hey, you guys have got tickets to the theater. Um, and I was like, Yeah, I don't think we're going to be able to go because I don't have anyone to look after my daughter. She's like, Oh, we'll come over. I'll bring the cousins. You know, um, I've got three nephews. Mm. Uh, beautiful boys. Mm. They're 11 and um, one's just turned 18. And they just have such a beautiful affinity. Cousin love is just so beautiful. Mm. Anyway, so... <laughs> it's, it's the best. It's the best. Yeah. So, um, she's like, oh, well, I'll come over. I'll bring the boys. And I'm like, oh, great. Yeah. And then my mum's like, do you have anyone to look after your daughter while, we're, while you're going to the theatre? And I said, oh... Like, this is happening. Blah, blah, blah. She said, all right, well, I'll come too if you like. I probably should be there when she wakes up. She's more comfortable with me and they've got a closer relationship. And I was like, great, thanks. So my mum was here. My sister-in-law was here. The cousins were here. Sophia was here. And my husband and I went to the theatre for two hours, came back. And my mum had cooked dinner. They were all hanging out in the garden. One of the cousins was playing the piano. Mm. The other cousins were playing hide and seek. And I was like... No. Oh my God, <laughs> this just feels right. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. this is my social nervous system relaxing because yeah. I can feel everything's taken care of. Everyone's yeah. being taken care of. Our emotional needs, our needs for connection, yeah. food's being prepared. Our sense of purpose amongst one another is there. Mm-hmm. We're being purposeful to one another um, by being ourselves in each other's company. I was like, yeah, this is it. Mm. This is it. It just all gels and feels good. Everyone's happy because... And we're all together. All the kids are playing. Yeah, and we're together. It's and they see the value in my husband and I spending time together without our children or without our mm. child. Mm. Um, having that mentality mm. of like, your relationship's important too. Yes, yeah. Yeah. And we want to be a part of helping that be maintained. And yeah. Yeah. It is, it's almost like it's everyone's looking out for each other more than you're looking out for yourself. So, therefore... hundred like, percent. Maybe, maybe it's like... Yeah. You, feel, you have this tendency to, I've got to figure out, love myself first and do practices too. I know that is still relevant, but I suppose when you've got a, a, 
like a, when everyone's on a similar page, I suppose, in the family. And that's just like some families are really tight, some families aren't tight, and mm. there's a whole variation of it. So, mm. but there's a lot of broken homes, there like is. in terms of broken, as in like a bit uh, broken homes is a bad phrase because I know people that aren't together, but they still have a fantastic parents to their child. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of broken so much as like bad communication between family members and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, or like unhealthy mm. relationships. That's what I mean by that. And in which case, that's no that's no space for, mm. for oh, yeah, of course I come around and look after the kids while you go out to the movies. Or, well, yeah, exactly. Know. One thing that um, one of my intentions this year is um, more soulful connections. And this has stemmed from me realizing the way I choose to mother and parent is very different to, I guess you call it mainstream. Mm. Uh, so I've copped a bit of flack along the way. I've been mm. told I'm doing it wrong and all that mm. sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and for that reason, felt more isolated. Yeah. But You're like a mad scientist. You're like, no, 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 I'm onto something. Just leave me for a second. I don't no, 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 that. you don't understand. Get out of my <laughs> Being the mad scientist though, just going off track for a second. Um, I was observing myself through this whole process. You know, breastfeeding, I'm sort of doing meditation and observing myself, observing my reaction, my response, my stress levels, my, you know, just kind of going... This is all wrong. Mm. Like this is all physiologically mm. strange. But before I got to that point, I was like, "What's wrong with me? Um, what am I doing wrong? Why am I right. experiencing all this stress? Why am I? Why? 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 Why?" Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, "Hang on, I've just discovered that I'm not the only one. Yeah, there are thousands of other women just like me struggling. Mm. Way more than thousands, like hundreds, tens of thousands, yeah. hundreds of thousands. Probably. Yeah." Not in any emotional state. um, This is going to sound awful, but it's it's kind of true that you would consciously give your child to them. I know there's times when I have been so stressed um, with lack of sleep, um, lack of people around me, lack of food, lack of nourishment, eating cold pasta or whatever that has been there for five days. Mm. Not, no, I didn't do that, but that could have been a scenario. That sounds yummy to me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know, in such a stressed state that I was angry, Mm. frustrated, like so angry at the state of affairs, so frustrated that this is normal, um, that I couldn't meet the needs of my child. That's actually the stem of the frustration, seeing the needs of my child, knowing how to meet them, but not being able to meet them and feeling so angry about that. I would never give my child to me in that state. You know, I, I remember at times going, no one in their right mind would give their child to me while I'm like this. Mm. And I'm sure there are other mothers that would feel that same way. And, and we have to wade through the guilt that we go through around that um, because it's all mum's fault, you know. <laughs> like, mm. And this, as soon as we stop blaming mothers and start again, like I was saying, looking, looking beyond that, you know, aunties and uncles out there, reach out to your, your sisters um, you know, mothers of mothers reach out to your children, see how they are. Like mm. maybe that's a place we can start. Mm, mm. Um, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. Look at look at where where can we become more a part of each other's lives. Um, yeah. And 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 do it in a way that is about our children. It's not about our stuff. It's not about the problem. You know, like oh, I don't want to talk to that person because this happened. Blah blah. blah. Just take a step back for a second and go. Okay, what about the children? about our little children like how can we navigate this stuff differently mm. so we can have better relationships 
Mm. And we can be an example of relationship. Mm. How can we how can we man- manage our own personal issues so we can be closer to one another? Mm. Because in the end of the day, that's really what we want with mm. each other. Mm. Despite the fact that auntie so-and-so said whatever they did 10 years ago, the truth is we really want to be loved by her and we really want to love her. Mm. That is the absolute truth. That's why we got so offended. That's why we don't talk to them anymore. You know, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So how can we get past those things mm-hmm. and think about our children, our grandchildren, mm. our nieces and nephews and what they need and what example we can be to them mm. around relationship? It yeah. really is awareness, isn't yeah. it? It's like it's when you're aware of what someone else might be going through, a mother in this case, it's like you 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 just you put those intentions into actions and like even just talking about it, it makes me f- feel much more aware or mindful of if my partner were to ever get pregnant like mm. how I'd go about it mm. like in terms of like what support I'd put in place or like just facilitating that mm. what I'd encourage and just in, t- in terms of like bringing family together and yes and all those kind of things it's yeah. i think it, it talking about it and having awareness around it is a big thing mm, 100% the other thing i wanted to just mention too cuz i was thinking about this this morning is we um we went we're on holiday last year and that 10 day period of time was the most settled my daughter had been her entire life so she was about 14 months by then mm. and the formula was I had her in the baby carrier most days. So I was walking um, our accommodation that was near the ocean. So I was walking to and from the ocean. So between our accommodation, food and ocean was like 10 minutes. Mm. Um, So I had surplus of food. I had surplus of um, beauty around me. Mm. I had my family with me, um, my husband with me, and I had an hour to myself every single day. In that hour, I'd get a massage. I'd sit by the water. Mm. I'd just wander with no intention for anything, just wander. (laughs) So I'd be in this flow state. Mm. And it was like my reset every day. She started sleeping. My daughter started sleeping from waking every two hours. She started sleeping seven and eight hour blocks. And I have no doubt it was because I was calm and settled. Mm. I had support around me. I had, I felt safe. Mm. Um, Mm. But also her and I were having um, like, you know, a lot of, time together where she was on my chest so there was that sense of being safe for her as well mm. um but yeah we just got in this rhythm there was mm. no trying it was just we were in a rhythm and um everything felt easy yeah and coming back home when i, I felt the contra- contrast when i came back home and my husband's back at work and i'm at home with sophia and mm. i was like oh my god it all feels hard again it's like this feeling of like stress between getting meals prepared and making sure she's in sleep on time and yeah, you know all this stuff yeah. um getting down the street to get things we need and you know running around and getting the house sorted and uh, all the stuff how annoying yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly how, how, what elements could you take from the holiday and implement back to daily life? Well, this is what I kept doing. I was like, what else were we doing back there? What else were we doing there that I need to implement here? And I was mm. like, well, I was walking with her every day. I do that here anyway. Yeah. You know, I was going through it all. And I really think a huge part of it was that I had an so hour. So of you to have such structure around your thoughts. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're all made up of both and they both have a place. <laughs> well, I was like, well, I think... The main difference was I had an hour to myself every day when we were on our holiday. 
So no interruption, free flow. What time of the day? Carlin mode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, amazing. It was mid Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, whoa, what am I going to do? <laughs> I think I might just go and look at the water. <laughs> Radical mums on holiday. <laughs> totally. What mums do when they're free. Yeah. <laughs> Stare at the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Stare at the wall. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I I have to confess, in the first six months, I reckon there was. A good handful of times I went, I just want to stare at the wall. Can you just not talk to me? I just want to stare at the wall. <laughs> a mad mother scientist starting to get a break from her And would lab. you give your child to me when I'm in that state? Like, come on. <laughs> That's so funny. So what time of day was it that you're doing the time to yourself part? Um, does it that, was mid-afternoon. That, I don't think... I don't, does it matter? I don't think, I think what was getting me through the day was knowing that I had that time to myself, you know, I was like, oh, mm. all right, let's get out of bed and have breakfast nice and early. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Because I um, can't wait to get to that afternoon. <laughs> 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 I guess it's a great thing I got later on. It's a beautiful wall I'm going to stare at. <laughs> we'll go for a walk. What time is it? Okay. Mid-morning break. All right. All right. Then it's your nap time. And then it's mum time. <laughs> You get to have daddy time and I get to have mum time. That's yeah. so funny. So, I don't think the time of day mattered. It just mattered that mm. I got time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's so important. Because also back then, um, she was still needing two naps a day. Or was it three? No, two naps a day. But when you think about it, like, you know, newborns, they sleep a lot during the day. and Sometimes, mm. um, you know, when they're six, six and nine months, they still need three naps a day, a lot of kids. All right. So, in my scenario, my little one wouldn't sleep in the car, didn't sleep in the pram, and she was in a brace for a period of time post-birth, um, and that meant I couldn't put her in the carrier. So, my babe only slept at home. So, I had to be at home for every single sleep. <laughs> so, it was like, I just, yeah, I couldn't mm. go, I couldn't just go anywhere. Mm. Everyone's situation's different. Mm. Um, that is, for, for some mums, that's a real reality. Mm. Mm. Um, some mums have like dream babies that just sleep like that. They sleep in their food. Mm. Mm. They just sleep. <laughs> you know, I didn't have one of those. <laughs> I can totally identify that sense of loneliness when, you, when it would just be just you and the kid. Like, uh, it's just that feeling of loneliness. Like we, we all feel at times. Mm. But if you're doing something so important as raising a child and mm. so taxing mm. in terms of emotional and energy, mm. um, I can imagine that sense of loneliness would be magnified immensely. Like, it, it, even if it's a small window, whenever they, those windows are, mm. like, I know when I'm feeling lonely, it's pretty shitty and I'm just looking after myself. But if mm, I was looking mm. after someone else... I think I relate to it as isolation more than loneliness okay. myself. Oh, yeah, yeah, good. Like that sense of... No, not good, like... Well, yeah. Great, yeah, isolation, beautiful, <laughs> gorgeous. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, I mean... Like, yeah, just being not, not being able to go certain places or do certain things. So, like, you know, in, the invitations slowly stopped coming of like, oh, we've got this thing on at 6.30. Mm. And I'm like, I would love to be there, but I just can't because mm. I've got to put mm. my child to sleep and da-da-da. Um, so slowly, slowly becoming more isolated yeah. because people stop inviting you because they know you can't come mm. or whatever it is. You stop going. You're not going because you can't and mm-hmm. there's that sense of it. So then it's like 
I guess loneliness can be a part of that, but I didn't specifically feel lonely. Okay. I just felt like isolated. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. There's a difference, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, is there any, I love I think it's fantastic. There's some good giggles in there too. I enjoy the odd giggle. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping we'd have a laugh. I like having a laugh with you. <laughs> Um, one thing I, I was just thinking too to mention is that there are some great organisations out there that are starting up yeah. around Melbourne great. to help support new mums. Um, I can't think of any of them off the top of my head right now. but We can list them in the podcast notes. Let's do that yeah, because yeah. Um, there definitely are some that have been started by new mums and they're places where mums can come and meet, um, meet like-minded mothers and learn about um, what's biologically normal so mm, that they're mm. not feeling isolated. They're not feeling like they're doing things wrong. Mm. Um, they can really acknowledge that it's it's quite normal what mm. they're going through. Mm. Um, and find a network of people that have a similar philosophy or similar values around parenting or mm. mothering. So, um, in Australia, we get assigned a maternal child health nurse post-birth and they have a checkboard and a tick list of all the things to go through, you know, is she speaking yet? Is she walking yet? Are you passing these milestones? Is their head big enough yet? Are they long <laughs> enough yet? Um, where are they sitting on the percentiles? Are they normal? Um, mm. All these things. And it's very clinical and it's a very unusual process, I feel. But for probably, those, ma- probably a man wrote it. I think you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> well, whether they did or didn't, it's part of that mm. patriarchal mindset we have mm. in our, mm. our society. Um, but, yeah, it's it's... It's a different kind of support. It's not this. It's not the kind of support. I mean, I haven't. I haven't heard many mothers say they loved their maternal maternal child health nice. Sorry, maternal child health nurse session. Yeah. That they came around, came away from it feeling empowered. Yeah. No doubt, there are some amazing maternal child health nurses out there. I'm yet to meet one, and I'm yet to meet a mother that has said, you know, I came away feeling amazing. I yeah. feel like I'm on track. I feel like my baby's great. Um, she let me know that I. <clears throat> have within me an ability to know what my child needs. Um, she let me know that um, I have wisdom. Mm. She reminded me that I'm capable. None of that tends to happen in mm. one of those sessions. Mm. It's the complete opposite. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Very disempowering. So disempowering. Uh. I, I, yeah. I could have some stories to tell, but I won't do it here <laughs> and now. <laughs> so, Yeah. So they yes. support organisations. And is there online ones as well um, for people that are outside of Melbourne? Uh, yes, there would be. I'm not familiar with any online ones. I've more come across the ones that are local. Yeah. Um, and But what there is as well, I think I mentioned to you, there's postpartum doula trainings that have now yeah. set up all over the world um, being run by a couple of – two that I know of being run, run by women who have been in the postpartum doula or midwifery um, – roles for over a decade Mm. and seeing this need to then train more people, Mm. those people quite often being new mums into how to understand what's, what's happening from a natural process perspective and from also um, looking into the past. So Mm. look into traditional cultures and how they did things and why they did things Mm. and seeing that there's actually like all these similar threads in traditional culture. The 40 day window is a very common thread, very common. It's so fascinating, yeah. Particularly when you go across all the different ancient cultures that did it. That's that stuff's great. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, one particular training is called Innate Traditions, mm. um, 
that's a great one to look up. There's another one called Newborn Mothers. Um, both of them have lots of resources to mm. look at as well. Mm. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing and drawing people and myself into the world. I think it's such a, it really resonated me with me chatting about it before we did this podcast. Because I think it's just, it's something that needs to shift. Mm. And and it just, I can just hear the heart of why there's issues around it. So mm. I really f- appreciate um, you opening up and sharing it and being a voice for it. Thanks for giving me the space to do that and so, for listening because it's, been burning in me for some time (laughs) it's nice to have a space to talk about it it's out there it's out there now (laughs) so much love yeah same to you thanks thanks jezza (laughs) jezza